today, every small business that wants to be successful on a large scale has to first be a media house. You have to generate content, a lot of it. You have to build a following. And after you do that, you can basically start distributing your product large scale. Excited today to be here with Raphael Broshi. He is the CEO and co-founder at Notch. Welcome, Raphael. Hey, Josh. Thanks for having me. Maybe you can just tell us a little bit about your background, how it led you to where you are now with Notch and go from there. Sure. Uh, so most of my background has been in the finance industry uh, and hedge funds. Before that, I worked uh, in a few startups. Uh, I left the hedge fund in June 2020, and the idea was to do something that uh, I really like, which uh, is gaming. I've been an avid gamer my entire life, and the idea was to build a fund around gaming. Uh, while exploring that, I saw that I, I stumbled across a problem that a lot of people are getting hacked, getting their accounts suspended, and we're talking about games that people spend a lot of time building up their characters and investing a lot of their time and efforts and resources, games like World of Warcraft. And while thinking about that, um, talked to a good friend of mine, which is now one of the founding team at Notch. Uh, but we found it interesting that, you know, when you're an enterprise or medium-sized company and above, you have access to what is called cyber insurance. And we had no idea if this thing exists for individuals. And we started thinking, what happens if we get hacked? What happens if uh, we get asked for ransom, right? And it could be for a social media account, gaming assets, or things like our email, WhatsApp, those kind of things. Uh, so one, lead, one thing led to another. Uh, we started a lot of market research and we found uh, that the problem is most common in a few specific verticals. Um, and that's how we started Notch. Um, I know you have your first product out in the marketplace, but maybe you could just explain um, a little bit more given the fact that there are some other cyber products out there um kind of what your first product is and how it fits in relative to you know what either you saw when you were doing your research or where the market is today sure so um during our research we noticed that the problem that people are losing their digital assets is most common in the social media space because if you think about it every new business today relies on some sort of digital asset mostly social media accounts uh, as a source of income, that's basically distribution, and that's your growth engine for the business. And the product, the Notch social media coverage product, is an admitted product in the U.S. under commercial lines, uh, written on Hartford Steam Boiler paper. Uh, they're an A-plus-plus rated carrier. Um, we're acting as an MGA, and basically the Notch social media coverage covers social media accounts against account takeover, so hacks. And what we provide is loss of income insurance of up to three months. The product is semi-parametric, so the entire onboarding process, real-time monitoring, incident prevention, um, and I would say the beginning of the claims process is all automated. Um, and the idea was to really make a very simple and affordable product for micro-businesses. So what exactly is the definition of a micro-business? 
Uh, for us, a micro business is a business of up to 20 employees making less than a few million dollars a year. Most of our customers make less than half a million dollars a year, and they are, I would say, individually owned businesses. So companies with no employees or maybe one, two employees. You've got this direct sales model, say, through an Instagram uh, ad. These businesses that you're describing, these micro businesses, you know, are you expecting that they're all going to buy direct from you or, you know, would they potentially be buying this as a suite of other coverages in, in, in some kind of a bundle? Got it. So up until this point, we have only sold direct. So I think when we started, the reason we started direct was because it's a completely new product in the market. So before going through agents, retail agents or wholesalers, you need to really understand the market and what kind of customers your product attracts. So now we're starting to approach uh, retail agents uh, and we know exactly what kind of customers we're targeting. So it's much easier to really say, hey, I noticed on your website that you're selling to hair salons and real estate agents, and that's part of our customer base. So obviously you have to figure out how to value these digital assets and, you know, determine what premium to charge, then determine what to pay on a daily basis and limits and all those sorts of things. So how do you do that? Yeah, so I would say that's the part of the brain of the product. So basically we don't ask the individual how much revenue they're making through their social media account. We evaluate it automatically in real time using only public data. And that's after more than a year of collecting data of over 15,000 transactions between brands and influencers, for example, or when looking at small businesses that direct customers through their social media to the website. So you used the term semi-parametric uh, before. So um, some of our audience may not be familiar with what that means exactly. So can you can you describe that? Let's talk uh, a minute about what is parametric insurance. When people say parametric insurance, it usually means that there is some sort of event, that's the event you cover against, that will be decided whether this event occurred or not by an independent third party. For example, uh, if you have a parametric earthquake insurance, then you might rely on an outside source, a company that checks for earthquakes. And if that company said that there was an earthquake above a specific level, that immediately triggers the insurance piece. The main problem with parametric insurance is whether a loss actually occurred or not. If it's parametric and the event happened, you should pay, right? Uh, but what if the insured has not suffered anything? Um, so there's a lot of debate in the industry about parametric insurance. Why am I saying it's semi-parametric? Because first of all, we don't have an independent third party to provide the trigger. We decide whether an account takeover has occurred, uh, mostly automatically through means we have. So the parametric here, I would say it's automatic and not parametric in the pure sense of the parametric insurance word. I say it's semi-parametric uh, or semi-automatic because even in the underwriting process, we have the automatic underwriting part and the manual part because we do want to have control of the process and we have seen a lot of companies trying to automate things too fast. So sort of shifting gears uh, 
back to the, the business side a bit more. So, you know, as I understand you and your co-founders, um, none of you had experience in the insurance industry. So, um, you know, I, you identified this opportunity. So how did you manage to, to, to kind of put your business case together, figure out product market fit, you know, manage to land a partner like HSB starting <clears throat> from scratch in, you know, yeah. with no industry experience. Uh, the way we built the product was we didn't have any insurance expertise. So we started researching, how do you get an insurance product to market? Insurance product development. And I can tell you, there is no good source out there to explain how to build an insurance product, right? And we had endless conversations uh, with consultants, with firms, and, and no one could really explain the process. Hey, that's what you do to build the rule and rate manual. You need policy wording, then you need producer licenses. That's what happens with regulators, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it's just a mess. And I always tell new uh, MGA founders or anyone, hey, before you do anything in product development or hire a consultant or anything, just talk to me. I went through it and it took me three months. Uh, I can save you two months of time. So beyond this initial work with social media accounts, what other type of digital assets do you see Notch moving into over time? Sure. So uh, we broke it down to four different monetary value digital assets, meaning digital assets that can either provide you value like social media, right? They're a distribution channel. E-commerce is the second. This is your point of sale. And then assets that are actually worth money to someone else. And those are more in the crypto slash gaming space, right? So I think that's not in our roadmap for the next year or so. Uh, and especially with everything that's happening with crypto now, who knows what's going to happen. Uh, but I do believe that there is a use case for decentralized assets, especially around gaming. Um, and that is definitely something we're looking at. Is there anything we didn't cover today that you think um, you'd like to share and Maybe uh, just as a wrap up, you know, do you have any other predictions or other things that you see for the industry uh, looking forward? Uh, I think we're going to see a lot of personal cyber products pop up. It's it's a very uh, it's a very hot industry right now, and we see some products popping up, but nothing really hits the spot yet or gaining mass adoption. Um, and I think that's where things are going. Um, and we're going to see either a cyber inclusion or exclusion with any policy. You do have some silent cyber policies still, but every new Bob, CGO, whatever it is, um, you're going to see those things. So uh, I think the market is going to keep growing at a very, very rapid pace, the cyber market. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, Rafael Broshi, CEO and co-founder of Notch, it was great to have you on. Thanks, Joss. Appreciate it.